Hi, and welcome to our Skim special series, Kid Q&A, where we're digging into your biggest questions about parenting and your kid's health. I'm Jana, a senior manager here at The Skim. I'm also a mom. My son, Lou, will be two years old next week. Now, I may be biased, but I think Lou is pretty great. That said, I've definitely noticed an uptick in tantrums in the last few months, and I don't always know how to handle them. I know I'm not alone in struggling with this. So we called up Dr. Erica Lee, attending psychologist in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Boston Children's Hospital, to ask for some help. Let's get into it. Hi, Dr. Lee. Thank you so much for joining us. We got a lot of questions about what is normal behavior for toddlers, and I'm putting normal very much in quotes, kind of how many tantrums and emotional outbursts is normal, what's a normal amount of time for a tantrum to last, and how to know when behavior crosses the line from being normal to needing an evaluation for something like autism or ADHD. So can you give parents any guidelines or words of wisdom they can refer to? All kids have times when their feelings just feel too big and they don't know how to cope, and that can then lead them to tantrum. And I wouldn't say that there's a quote-unquote normal number of tantrums, but at this stage of development, little ones are still very much learning what happens when they act in different ways. So they push the boundaries to see where the limits are, and then the feedback that they get teaches them about how the world works. So if you're worried about the intensity or the frequency of your child's tantrums, for a week or two, keep a log where you jot down what was happening right before during, and then after your child's tantrum, as well as the situation your child was in at the time. So this can give you really important insight into what the triggers are for your child's different behavior patterns. So for example, do you tend to notice that they get upset more easily when they're hungry, when they're bored, they're tired or uncomfortable? Do they tantrum more at a certain time of day? Might they be responding to what they get after a tantrum, such as more time with you or a toy? If you find that you are always giving in, that the tantrums that your child is having are putting a lot of strain on your relationship with them or with a partner, or your child almost never cooperates. Those might be good indications to check in with your pediatrician because they're going to know you and your child really well, and they also know what's developmentally appropriate at different ages. So they'll have a good sense whether this is something to be concerned about or whether this is something that falls within the expected range for toddlers. Then you can decide together what the next steps are. Got it. So basically, no, there is no normal is kind of what I'm hearing. And it really is dependent on your situation and that all kids are different, right? Their brains and their language skills just haven't caught up yet with the really big feelings that they have. And they just need time to learn what happens when I react in different ways. And they need that really careful and loving guidance and shaping from parents. Well, that actually leads me right into my next question, which is when a child is having a tantrum, parents often don't know how to deal with it. I can speak from experience here. My son is going to be two in a month. And the other day, he just really wanted to keep playing with his radio flyer wagon in the backyard. And I told him he had to come in and he just completely lost it. So I think people are always looking for ways to de-escalate and discipline without yelling or without just repeating the word no over and over. Do you have any coping skills or ways that we should be handling those situations? So a few pointers come to mind. So first, try to take a deep breath and just clear your mind for even a few seconds before you respond. It's natural for parents to react really quickly. And then this, of course, pulls for your own anger, your own annoyance, and your own exhaustion, making it harder for you to respond in a consistent and calm way, and potentially actually increasing the emotional intensity of the situation with your child. 
Some other tips that I have are that it helps for parents to consider whether the expectations that you have of your child fit their developmental level. Kids grow and mature at their own pace. So starting from the perspective that your child is doing the best that they can with the skills they have allows you then to decide, okay, what skills of my child do I think need strengthening and or what expectations do I have that need adjusting so I can meet my child where they're at? Another thing to think about is whether your toddler actually gets more attention when they tantrum than when they behave. So we know that tantruming is a very effective way to interrupt adults, but unless your child is being unsafe during a tantrum, I encourage parents to try their hardest to pair kindness and compassion with firm and clear limit setting. This can look like acknowledging and validating that your child is upset, setting a limit or making clear what a boundary is and then reducing the amount of attention you give them during that tantrum. And reducing attention can be as simple as saying to your toddler, here's what I want you to do instead of what you're doing. And then once your child is able to act more appropriately, what you can do is you can give them lots of positive attention and praise, and then highlight what you specifically liked about their behavior. So this will increase the chances that they'll do it again in the future. And then another tip is to use the information from the record keeping I recommended before to try to anticipate when you think your child is likely to have a hard time with their emotions or with their behaviors. So for example, you know you're going to be in a setting where if they tantrum, you are likely to feel really embarrassed and give in to whatever they want. So then you can plan ahead. Okay, I'm going to bring a snack and I'm also going to bring a game or a toy. You know, I have to run a few errands and in between these errands, I'm going to take a quick movement break so my child gets some of the wiggles out. And then every time they follow my directions, I'm going to give them lots of positive attention. That makes total sense. Ignoring or not validating the behavior when they're upset and making sure they know that that's not going to get attention. I feel like that is what I tend to do sometimes. And I often feel guilty that I'm maybe ignoring him while he cries. And is that should I feel guilty for that? Or is that the right thing to do? Like the other day, I just sat on the floor quietly while he just wailed, literally wailed. So I really appreciate you raising that because that is the number one thing that parents say about using something like ignoring sort of misbehavior. And what I try to help parents recognize is we're not saying ignore your child. What you're saying is that this behavior is not an effective way of getting my attention based on your child's age and developmental stage. If we're able to have a conversation with them in a calmer moment about what was happening and how they were feeling, you can remind them like, hey, if you're having a problem, this is an effective way to let me know. But hitting, yelling, crying, throwing things, this makes it really hard for me to understand what's happening and how to help you. So we're ignoring the behavior. We're not ignoring the child. That's a great way to reframe it in my own head. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, This actually sounds to me like gentle parenting a little bit. And just for any listeners who haven't heard of gentle parenting, it's loosely defined as an approach that centers on acknowledging a child's feelings and the motivations behind that behavior as opposed to correcting the behavior itself. Do you kind of condone gentle parenting? What are your thoughts on that? I think an approach like gentle parenting works really well for some families. And this approach really prioritizes a few things that I like, including validation, empathy, perspective taking. All of those things can really help kids feel understood and seen by their caregivers. And at the same time, I think it's important to acknowledge that this approach might not work for all types of kids and families. There are some kids who have difficulty identifying and analyzing their feelings and other people's feelings. Some parents may find that it's tricky to focus on emotions without being too permissive. And then some families come to the table with parenting perspectives or traditions that align more with correcting misbehavior. So I don't know that there's any one-size-fits-all approach to parenting. We heard from a lot of parents who had babies during the pandemic. 
which was me as well, and um, feel overwhelmed trying to help their toddler adjust when it comes to separation anxiety, especially. Do you think that it's true that this is extra hard for this cohort of kids and for parents who are trying to help their kids become more independent? Some separation anxiety is expected, right, around 18 months to around age three. And most kids do grow out of it. So if this is your child, don't panic yet. You're making such a good point that there are a lot of little ones who spent most of their life with their caregivers during the pandemic. So it is a bigger adjustment for them to spend time apart now. And if that's the case with your family, you can definitely help your child feel safe and capable out in the world when they're not with you. So I'd recommend trying two things. One, you can help your child gradually, slowly, and safely adapt to separation by spending successively longer periods of time apart. You could run a 10-minute errand, and then you come back, and you know your child's been nervous and waiting for you, and you give lots of praise for how brave they've been, lots of hugs and kisses, reassuring them that, of course, you came back. And then the next time, you run a 15- or 20-minute errand. And then you just keep increasing the amount of time as your child becomes more comfortable and capable. And then the second thing you can do is that you can help your child learn and practice simple coping skills to help them manage their anxiety while you're apart. So this could include things like taking slow, deep breaths or holding on to a soft, soothing toy or a special object that they really like. Another thing that I often talk to parents about when their child is experiencing separation anxiety is that it's helpful to notice what might your own hesitations be around separation, because this can be very anxiety-provoking for kids, but it's also often very anxiety-provoking for parents. Yes, I relate to that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to strike a balance between being supportive and compassionate about your child's desire to be with you. Kids look to their parents for reassurance when they're worried, when they're scared, when they're not sure if they're okay. So if you end up always rescuing them from an uncomfortable but safe situation because your child gets upset about it, they may end up getting the message that you also believe that they can't handle being apart or that you also agree that being apart is definitely dangerous and bad. This, of course, varies and that your child having a hard time separating doesn't necessarily mean that there's something quote unquote wrong. If your child isn't adjusting to a new situation like going to school or being with a babysitter or going to an after-school activity after some time, if they just aren't able to settle in, if you notice that they're just frequently worrying about you or them or another person that they love being safe if you're apart, or if they're just refusing to do things without you, that might be a really helpful time to talk to your pediatrician to see, you know, would some further evaluation or working with a behavioral health specialist be helpful? In general, I would say from experience and from talking to my many mom friends who are in the same boat, that trying to understand your child's needs before they can fully articulate them, it's very stressful. (laughs) What advice do you have for parents who are just finding this phase difficult and just really struggling with it themselves? I would say have some self-compassion. This is hard for every single parent because how could it not be? Parenting is a monumental task. And I think especially during the pandemic, parents have not been giving themselves enough credit for how many things they've had to juggle. And it's important to remember, we cannot read our kids' minds. So you're doing your best to learn your child's individual language and to come up with ways for them to identify and express how they feel and to communicate to you what they need. And this is a gradual process, right? It has to unfold over time as your child's brain develops, as they mature, as they get to know themselves, as you get to know them. There is no perfect way to do this. And if you are a parent that is trying their best to make their child feel loved and safe, you are already halfway there. Wow, that's wonderful advice. And I know I personally feel a lot better after this conversation. I want to thank you so much for talking to us today, Dr. Lee. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for listening to Kid Q&A. Tomorrow, we'll be back at you with another great conversation with an infectious disease specialist, all about colds, flu, and, yes, it's still with us, COVID. This episode was skimmed by me, Jana Pollock, along with producer Alicia Key and the Skims head of audio, Graylin Brashear. Our senior audio engineer is Andrew Calloway, and he mixed this episode with Ellie McAfee-Hahn and Ko Tagasugi Chernovin.